0: Airwaves Podcast. This is a podcast for all things I Go Global. This is episode number four. We are rolling like we are straight on fire with these podcasts now, all the way up to episode
1: four. They say once you make it to four, man.
0: They do say that. That voice was my co host. My name is Shu. You guys know me. I'm the host of this podcast. That was my co host, Kai Martin. Also, known as the Mayor of i and he is here, but he's here as a co-host because we have a really, really special guest for this episode of i Airways. Airwaves. Mm. We've, we've had some good guests. We've had a couple of real live missionaries. Yes. We, we had a, a student, Jake Stacks, but now we have the one and only Nathaniel Coons. i Nathaniel Coons, but... I, I gozen doesn't even describe him anymore because he's he's just gone off
1: oh man
0: like do you remember Nathaniel, Nathaniel Coons?
1: Coons my gosh oh gosh just looking at you right now I can't hardly believe my eyes man the first time I saw you you were so proud of those three little hairs coming out of your chin <laughs> Just this this just this young high school kid and now look at you my look gosh up. rocking a full beard over here <laughs> a, a, full a grown beard. man it took yeah. me
2: 30 years to get this oh, so man he is you
1: can't hardly believe it
0: he, he it is hard to believe and he's all grown up he's he's been through Igoja we'll talk about that in just a second but I want to talk about like what you're doing cuz when we see Igojans doing really cool stuff and rising to the top of your field which I I think we can probably say that. At this I don't know point. about that. I think <laughs> I we can. Uh, Nathaniel has been since since he left the you know traveling with IGO overseas as a team leader, and all those things. He's been a youth minister in a couple different churches, different places. But currently, you work for the, and you know how we love initials around IGO, so that's the SBTC. Yes. Southern yeah. Baptist of Texas Convention. Nailed it. And your title is what.
2: I'm the student associate.
0: That's the current title.
2: Yes, current title. We'll go with that.
0: It's a Baptist organization, so the titles change all the time. There's there's always restructuring, right?
2: It's <laughs> so true. <Yes. laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So student associate means what? It means you're over youth evangelism. Means you're over student camp. What are, what exactly does that job mean?
2: Yeah. So it is a fancy way to say everything students that the SBTC puts on. So our summer camps, M3, so we've got four or five, I think five now um, in the summer, and then even discipleship, how to train adult volunteers. So it's all the way from evangelism to discipleship to missions, really just a holistic approach to student ministry.
0: Man, that's, that's a big deal. Like a church, a Southern Baptist of Texas church here in, in our state, in the Republic. Uh, their youth ministers look to you. You're, you're a resource for them. You train them. You, you, you help them. You put camps on. Like what, That's what your job is, right? You're doing all those things for them.
2: Put it that way, yeah. <laughs> My
1: gosh. Nathaniel Coons. I know. Man, how things have changed. When I first met you, man, oh, you, were, you were just excited to be on a team as a student. I mean, you couldn't believe you were going to get to fly over the water.
2: That's true. And Over be part
1: water. of a be part of a, a missions team as a student, and now here you are, my gosh, at the apex of student ministry.
2: I would like to say this is a bit, but this is just Kai. This, this, is, is, Kai. this is just
1: Kai. That is the truest. It's been said that my life thing. is a bit,
0: <laughs> and it wasn't said incorrectly. <laughs> so, Nathaniel, tell us this. Like, I don't know if you listen to the, our. Episode number three. I don't know if you've caught up to speed. I we, did.
2: Jake's we, Jake, throwing some heat.
0: Jake is yeah. now. He's been on the most IGO trips of all time. We kind of figured that out, and he he had to. We had to make sure he had done more than you and Rachel Partridge in order to do that. And Rachel started when she was seven going on trips, so that was very difficult. <laughs> yeah. But, rumor
2: is she's still going. Yeah. yeah. and
0: She's uh, yeah. She's twenty something, but she looks like she's fourteen. So, what like. Tell Your first trip was where? And then tell me about all the different trips you've been on, all the Igo experiences you've had, if you can yeah. remember them all.
2: Yeah, first trip was 2008 uh, in Cardiff, Wales. So that was my, my one-week trip. I know you say another term now, but... 1.0. 1. 1. 1.0. So 1.0. And then I went back that next summer in 2009 to Cardiff to be a JSI, so which is now something else. It's
0: now FLT. Yes. yes. 2008, you were what? You were high school? I just
2: graduated.
0: Okay, so you just finished high school when you went that summer. Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah, so 2008 and 2009 in Wales, and then 10, 11 in East Asia, um, and then, what's after 10, 11, 12. (laughs) It's tough, it's tough. 12 was Paris, uh, and then 13 was North Africa. And so that was my last across seas trip. And then when I became a student pastor full time, we did the first launch box. Well, I helped out with the protocol launch box. yeah. And oh, yeah. yeah. And that's play right. now. Yeah. And then we went to the first one, uh, took a group of students there. Um, and then a lot of base camps in between uh-huh. that. I think I still hold the record of base camps. I will hold on to that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was chasing a girl, most of them. So that's why <laughs> I was there. Now my wife, um,
0: yes, so an Igosian wedding. Yes, it, it was. was. Because chasing a, chasing a girl, I mean, we always say a low motive is better than no motive. Exactly. So come exactly. on. Exactly. And yes, I mean, you have been to a lot of base camps. You've been overseas a lot. You've been you you've been around Igo for a long time, and mm-hmm. we love that. We we love the fact that there's so many students that it just didn't wasn't just a blip on their radar. It wasn't just one time they did that and they moved on, but it was something that you continued to grow in because a lot of those trips, you were not just going. You were the leader, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, so I led every trip after starting in 2010, so those last four. Yeah,
0: leading all over the world.
2: Yeah, two in in East Asia and then Paris. Um, That was the big year. And then uh, North Africa. Our little, our little four-man crew, just tearing it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: uh, some amazing experiences, probably some a ton of stories. We won't even be able to get off the tip of the iceberg on all the different stories that you would have to share about those experiences. But what I would like for you to talk about for our audience is, you know this as well as anybody, that we do, I Go Global, we do short-term missions with a long-term impact. And so long-term impact for us means that it, hopefully changes your life your experience with Igo the training the teaching the core values all that it changes how you view the world and it changes how you live but also you know we want to have a long-term impact on the field we want to share the gospel we want to help plant churches we want to come alongside missionaries that are really getting that done and so it's a long-term impact everywhere you look at Igo but for you and we can talk about stuff you've seen on the field for sure but how has all those experiences been a part of the way God has shaped you into who you are today?
2: Yeah. Um, Man, these trips were almost cornerstones into where I I am today. Um, Starting with back in 2008, I was going to go to A&M and pursue engineering. But after that trip, I mean, completely 180 flip. Um, Hmm. So I went to community college after that because I was like, why not? $15 a credit hour, can't beat it. Um, but in those classes, it's even cool to see how God used both local and international to grow my love um, for student ministry and really his local church. Um, that's when I met a student pastor in my speech comm class and I just helped him for five years, uh, just volunteered at a church yeah. helping him out. Um, but every summer I was still able to go um, with you guys and it was during those summers that I thought it was going to be missions I was, I was going to pursue. Um, I think for a lot of us going our first summer, you get exposed to some newness and you're like, this is it the rest of my life. Like, I'm not going anywhere else outside of Cardiff ever. Right. I love these people. I love what God's doing here. But then as years go on, you realize there, there's, some, there's a bigger story that he's writing. Um, and so it was in those summers following it that I realized that it wasn't so much... It sounds bad to say, but follow my heart here. It wasn't so much the, the missions element that I, God kept drawing me back to. It was helping students see what it is that God was doing around them, not only in an international context. It's a little easier for them to start to see new things there, sure. um, but even transitioning that back home. Um, and so for those years that I was leading, that's when God really started to, to shift my heart from this missions full-time just to actually vocational student ministry, um, you know, with a, uh, with missions in, involved in it and evangelism and all of those different teachings. Um, so, of the four core values, really, the one that sticks out the most to me is that hope of the world peace. Um, we can get caught up in locations and and all of that, but yet it's really that foundational truth that the church is the avenue in which God's getting His name to the nations, um, and so sitting down in parks all over the world with students that are just huge-eyed in that moment. During the headlights. During the headlights, yeah. reading, reading through the Book of Acts. I mean, I clearly remember sitting down with my JSI, um, JSI, so Ethan and Jared, hmm. sitting in a park, Butte Town Park in Cardiff, Wales, going through the Book of Acts, and all of a sudden things just coming alive in a different light. Um, and so it was, it was there that man, every time like sitting in a park in Paris or in Asia or just those intentional conversations, wherever we're going with students is what really started to pull my heart and really set me up to where I am now. Um, mm-hmm. so being student ministry for, for 10 years, either as a kind of paid intern, um, my first paycheck was, uh, it was $25 and I did the math in my head. It covered Taco Bell mm-hmm. for lunch and a little bit of gas. And that's all I needed. Um, hmm. I thought I was rolling in the dough, dollar right. bills, literal dollar. Yeah. dollar, literal, <laughs> doll, literal dollars. Oh, um, no, but it was with that and just those two experiences of, of working at a church home, um, in the U S in East Texas, but then having the opportunity that they gave me graciously, I think they felt bad. Um, Robert Welch, I know you're not listening. Thank you for letting me still go. He was my, my pastor and mentor. I, I Give him a hard uh, yeah. time all the time. Yeah. Um, but he, man, they continued to allow me to go across these. Um, and it was just that mixture.
1: And at a time where you were probably needed the most at the
2: church, right? Exactly. I was yeah. like, hey, I'm going to help out in the student ministry. You know when y'all are doing like summer camps and stuff, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. um, VBS, I think that was my biggest thing. Is was like, how can I get out of VBS? Um, if I'm in across the world, they can't, they can't get me. um and so they won't even ask exactly yeah yeah. but no it was just it was just all of that culminating together really just and and that's what my role is now um is helping student pastors win um in reaching the next generation and so kind of let me do what i can do so you can do what i can't do so let me organize put structure create resources not so that i can build my name up That's, that's not it at all um It's so that the local church, the Hope of the World, can reach their demographic wherever they are. Um, And so, yeah, all of that culminated to where I am today and and where God will use me five, ten years down the road.
1: One of the things we have talked about at IGO is we've looked back on all the different stories of stories like yours where someone's life has just radically shifted. And you told the story from being wanting to be an engineer to then wanting to dive neck deep into student ministry, however you could. And now you're doing that as a career. And so one of the things we've talked about a lot is how God seems to use us in that way, partly because um, we're intercepting students at very pivotal moments in their life, right? I mean, just that age is a very pivotal age in someone's life. Plus, you put someone on a plane who's and put them overseas, someone who's probably never been on a plane before in all likelihood, this is probably the, one of the most biggest, dramatic, standout experiences they've had of their life just because of what they're doing, the travel and all that, and how those things, two things come together, you know, to kind of... God uses that to really make significant changes in a lot of people's hearts. So I'm, I'm curious as to, is that part of... That kind of part of what drew you or has drawn you towards student ministry is having that being in front of students in that pivotal time in their lives and making that impact at that time.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think back to my own student pastor of it was a time in middle school, awkward Nathaniel. I know y'all wouldn't believe it, but the chili bowl, um I'm telling you, it Why was do you think we wouldn't
1: believe that? <laughs>
2: Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. Anyone who knows me is like, he for sure had a chili boy.
1: My gosh. Nathaniel (laughs) Coons. Man, I, I remember, it wasn't that long ago, I remember that, man. I remember when he came to us, he was just he a, needed a, haircut. Sk- he was a skinny little yeah. high school kid. And now, what, a week ago, I see a picture of him on Instagram or something all jacked oh, up man. like some yeah. novice bodybuilder over here. It's the Taco here. Bell. That's yeah. what it is. That's the secret,
2: guys. $5 box.
0: Uh, $25 was used wisely yes. at some point. Yeah. $25 did, protein shakes. He needed a haircut, but not as bad as that Jason Culp did when he was first with us. That dude needed a haircut.
1: You can only see out of one eye. <laughs> <laughs> full-on emo <laughs> yeah
2: yeah but but i think back to my in those pivotal years of my life this the role of my student pastor of i, I grew up in a church of 60 people if we hit 85 90 on a sunday morning it was bring the casseroles out we're having a potluck um legitimately we that's what we did um and our and it was just his faithfulness of we had five students in our student group and i was like hey i want to play the bass and he's like okay so we started a band. It was just me and a bass guitar and him and an acoustic. And there's three kids in the room. Yeah,
1: half of the yeah. There's more people on stage than out there. Yeah. Um,
2: but no, it's just looking at those pivotal moments in my own life and who were those adult leaders that really impacted me. That that that's really um, man relationships and being there for students in those years of what's next, um, and especially Gen Z. There. They're asking those questions of their faith. They they became they came to faith at a younger age, but now they're just asking the questions to understand their faith. So they they've got a little toy car now. They're like taking the hood up, lifting the hood up to see. Okay, now how does this actually work? Yeah. Um, And you know most worldviews Barna say now are established by thirteen. So as by the time an eighth grader gets to thirteen or you get to eighth grade, their worldviews established. And so you've got four years after that to kind of mold it a little bit before it gets hardened before they get sent out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I that's what I love about working with students is they're in an age to where um, they're they're open, they're they they're wanting to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll ask those difficult questions unapologetically, um, and they want to be a part of something bigger uh, than themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know for me, small East Town East Texas. Um, gone that first trip seeing the global church in a whole new way hmm. that was impactful for me because um, outside of that like I'd flown to Colorado that's as far as way home as I'd ever sure. gone right. and now of a sudden I'm in a town that's like a thousand times bigger than my hometown I'm like wait a minute but just seeing the local church in a global context is right. what really and working with students um, I loved it right. still love it
0: yeah. I, I hear you talk about missions, you go to the Great Commission. Everybody does, right? Mm-hmm. This is the mandate. Jesus says, go make disciples of all the nations. And then he says, here's how you do that. Here's, here's what making disciples is. It's baptizing and teaching, baptizing and teaching. And so that's really rewarding for Kai and I to sit here and listen yeah. to that story. That you're like, well, oh man, missions is awesome. I need to be a missionary. And then what, you, what it sounds like happened is that God said, I want you to make disciples. I want you to make disciples. You, you pour into this next generation and point them to the Great right. Commission, you know which is a huge part of our calling, right? We don't mm-hmm. We don't go all the time. We're not living overseas. We' are sending students out training them to do what we we could never do, just a few of us on the staff. But that's really cool to me to hear, yeah, it, this missions and these trips awaken in me this desire to make disciples that are great commission. Focus. And I've, I've heard that from you for so long that it's just just a confirmation. But that's that's a huge part of that. Is there there's a story from pouring into students or where you saw those light bulbs come on or anything that kind of jumps out at you from your experience? Or maybe it was for you when it's
2: like that began to turn? Mm-hmm. I would say the cool thing for me was probably here's a plug plug for Launchbox um, being able to bring a group of students. I mean, this was back in 2015, 16, I think it was 16, of students that, they're honestly, their worldview was one-sided. I can say that I grew up in East Texas. It is. It's just very one-sided. Yeah, it's not not an insulting thing to say. Yeah, there's not a lot of diversity in that. And so bringing them, even to to Fort Worth, um, and to see these students interact with refugees from all over the world, like there was a shift in those students that... As a student pastor, it was rewarding to see, and then all of a sudden that passion came back, yeah. um, and so it wasn't just a group of students that are from all over the state. Like this, that was that was my group of students that I was, you know, God put me over to shepherd in that moment and mm-hmm. to bring them back, and even from that, their heart for their own friends from working and and going through lunchbox and some of those trainings, um, that was. Kind Of the, the more recent one in the in student ministry mm-hmm. with, with IGO uh, is that Launchbox piece of man, these students got it, they saw something, but then I got to walk with them with it back home um, instead of trying to keep up with students in Oklahoma or South Texas mm-hmm. you know, those teams that are kind of everywhere. It was my group um, that we could able to continue those conversations yeah. and then integrate some of that into our own student ministry um, without me having to lead the way with students leading the way. Right.
1: Yeah, I think the common denominator in, in these stories, whether you're talking about your own or just what we see time and time again at IGO and, or your students that you brought to LaunchBox, is just this um, coming to grips with this idea of God's plan is bigger, right? That I've been living in this town, thinking about these people and these things. All of a sudden I'm thrown in this experience where I realize, oh my gosh, like, God's plan is way bigger than me reaching this many people or me doing this or me doing that, but God is on this conquest to take the gospel to all nations. God is on mission to make His name known to the ends of the earth. And I think, it's like you said, you at first you think, man, I want to do that, you know? And then that kind of starts to settle into students asking the question, like, what part do I play in that? If God is on mission, if He's making His name known to the ends of the earth, where do I fit in? And it's fun for us to sit back and watch that progression. As for some for some people, they realize that means they want to be a pastor. For some, it means they do want to go to A&M and become an engineer, you know, and then live on mission in the workplace um, and be one of the best volunteers and leaders who's not on staff in their church um, and things like that. So it's cool to hear. I don't know, just that, that common story there of seeing that God is, much bigger than what I had in mind, and his mission is bigger, and then me trying to figure out how I fit into that specifically.
0: Yeah, the long-term impact has so many different ways it plays out. Yeah, just really, really cool. And the, you know, the Igosians are everywhere now. They're doing all kinds of different things. Hopefully, with that bottom-line focus that we talk about. So, you. We didn't ask you to give a plug for LaunchBox, but you threw that in there. So we'll just say right now we're sponsored by LaunchBox, which doesn't mean anything, <laughs> right? But if, if you're listening right now because you love Nathaniel Coons and you follow him and you heard he was on a podcast and you don't know what in the world LaunchBox is, we get it because it's a weird name. So Kai, what, you're over LaunchBox. What is LaunchBox? Real quickly so everybody would know.
1: Yeah, so Launchbox is simply a a mission trip to internationals in Texas. Um, We take your students, we put them with other student groups, almost has a camp type element because we do a worship service and we do a lot of teaching throughout the day. Um, But essentially, you get the chance to bring your student group to do a mission trip in Fort Worth or this year San Antonio where we're going to put them around um, refugees, um, folks from Unreached countries. Uh, some countries, like there's a lot of people in Fort Worth from Somalia, a place even even your high school students could probably never get into, right? But but they get the chance to interact with and minister to people that come from countries where there's little to no gospel access. So it's like they get a they get their feet wet and they get a taste of international missions and what God is up to globally, but in a way that's accessible to the entire youth group. Um, you know, most likely you can't send your entire youth group overseas um there's going to be a select few that can do that but not everyone whereas launchbox affords you the opportunity to give your students that exposure on a broad scale
0: yeah mission trip here in texas internationals yeah so that's a, it's a cool combination because you it's accessible just like you said that's what launchbox is they are our fake sponsor and nathaniel coons Student associate at the mm. SBTC mm. highly recommends it. That's what I heard. did you hear that? Exactly. <laughs> when I, I heard that. So, yeah. uh, the Guy at the
1: apex of the, the administration. I don't know about that.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Like the responsibility that he has, I don't even know if he's aware of how much responsibility. Ignorance is, is bliss at some That's a good so. thing. <laughs> so, Nathaniel, when you came to us, in those early days, with three whiskers hanging off your chin. Yeah, I'd say two and a half. Three yeah, is generous. That, yeah, well, we were just trying to help you feel a little bit closer to Gavin. Mm. But he Gavin,
2: a, nah, that just came yeah. with a beard into the world. Yeah, full so. beard at birth. He was, was bald weird. on top, but had a big old beard. And
1: his mustache already had the the end curls. Yeah, yeah it you did. It's, the, it's
2: wild. I don't know how he did it. That Gavin,
0: he's something. When you when you first started, you're like so many other students, but it it didn't take us long. And that's that's part of what we do, is we're looking for the leaders. We're looking for those students that, that, that kind of stand out, that we think that, oh, they could step into leadership. They could step into that JSI, FLT role and start to learn to lead and then become a team leader. So I'm not trying to take all the credit as I go of developing you into the leader that you are. But... I do think that that had to have shaped you. Like that, those leadership experiences, those challenges that you ex, uh, encountered, how did that develop you as a leader? How was that? Like, you're already a leader, God, God made you a leader, but how did that shape you into the leader that you are today?
2: Yeah, it was the amount of responsibility that you guys gave me, um, the authority of, of sending. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna load up thirty kids. We're gonna go to East Asia for four weeks. Go get them. And I was like, oh man. Like, How
1: old were you at that time?
2: Math is hard. Let me think. Twenty. Okay. You're in college. Twenty. So you're a College student. Yeah, yeah. So college student, and just with that, the amount of and what what I really love and kind of a phrase. I don't know if y'all ever said this, but I kind of give y'all some credit but like claim it as my own at the same time. Of you guys always delegated the authority but the responsibility you kept. And so as a student I felt like I had been empowered to lead out in a, a unique way, but I also knew that safety net of I go. Someone had and, your back. And and that leadership whether that's the local um, missionary that I was working with or if it was you guys back home, always an email, always in contact. Um, and so really that gave me the freedom to, to try and fail. Um, and that was yeah. a unique space, um, to do that in, because uh, when you think leadership, you think perfection, you've got to do it all right. But really being a leader is figuring it out sometimes as you go and then realizing, no, don't ever do that again. And then you make adjustments. Um, huh. and so with that, it was just an opportunity to really live life and help develop, um, a unique leadership style that I think really carries on with me today because it's I, I'm more of that relational leader mm-hmm. um, and you guys are that way as well instead of just, hey, do this because I said so. It's, I'll never do anything. I'll never ask you to do anything that I haven't done myself. I'm going to be right there with you prayer walking for seven hours. We're both going to feel exhausted at the end of the day. Um, hey, I still get nervous Mm -hmm. just sparking up gospel conversations of am I equipped and ready for this, but I'm going to be right beside you as you do it. Um, and watch me do it, you know, watch me kind of fumble through it, you know, think, you know, all of those different things. And so really it was that unique, just hands-on experience of here's some tools, here's some training weekends to help you out. Um, and really from that, it also helped me understand that I, I don't have to lead by myself. Because there's always another co partner, or at one time I had four co partners um, hmm. one summer, and it was we got to lean on each other. Of this is my strength, this is my weakness. What are you good at? Where can you? and so it's just this idea of, of leadership's not grabbing everything and everything's your decision. It's building a team around you um, that can be the best for your team, and so that that's kind of carried on throughout that um, and just that community of leaders. Um, really all across the world that you guys picked good missionaries to work with yeah. that poured into us. Um, and then also the guys that y'all gave chances to, I mean, those were all my groomsmen at my wedding. And <laughs> yeah. so thankful for that. Cause if not, I would have zero groomsmen. Um, <laughs> it has been me and my two brothers. So that's cool. But yeah.
0: Yeah. The, we, we talk about it all the time. Like we, we raise up leaders by letting students lead. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really kind of that simple. Like we believe you can lead, so go try to lead. Go lead something and see. You know we're okay with some mistakes along the way. We we have to be we're working with students and we're 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 training and we're developing. And so you uh, we, we won't talk about any of those mistakes, but they were few and far between. Oh, absolutely. You, you kept yeah, of doing course. Such a good yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, that's what we will go. with. <laughs> They were never so, so big we couldn't uh, overcome them. And, and you kept, like, we kept asking you to come back and lead. And so you were obviously doing a really good job of that. And, you know, since I'm the old guy here, I, I just want to say how proud I am of you. You know, for whatever role that I go had in that, it was just a sliver of it. So proud of what God's doing yeah. and, and how he's using you and, and the influence that he's given you. It's just it's just really cool to see. really is. so. Okay.
1: Do you have any, uh, your description of that was pretty broad, sweeping, kind of general, uh, what you learned through the entire experience. Are there any real pivotal moments you would point to in terms of, I don't know, maybe an experience you look back on or a moment like, well, that's when I learned leadership is this. I mean, you made a couple comments about that, but any moments like that stand out or?
2: Yeah, let me think just for like two seconds. So I'm going to talk while I'm thinking. Gotcha. Um, But no, really, I think an experience was probably my first JSI year or field, FLT, FTL, one of those things. FL City. FLT. So you're
1: 19, 20 years old, 19. I was 19
2: at that time. And we were just sitting around in a group of students doing our acts debrief, about to send the group out. Um, We were assigned to Swansea, so we had like an hour-long train ride uh, from Cardiff. Great nap time. Uh, I called it QT with JC, quiet time, Jesus, um, naps. Um, And so, but no, it was in there that, that first time, because it was small East Texas and I'm just, I've grown from it then, but naturally I was just a real quiet, shy person up front to begin with. And then leading a group of, of strangers that I'm, some of them are older than me of, man, I'm going to you be had, teaching your now. only
1: experience above them was that you had been exactly where they were the year before. Yeah, I'd right? been, <laughs> I'd only, been in, in that country like yeah. seven days more than them. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: but it was just that sitting down in that moment and seeing the students, like I said, the get it moments. Mm. And all of a sudden I realized like, that was when I realized, man, that's, that's the work of God in the lives of these students, not my words, huh. not my actions. Um, and so I could just help point people, and so that's what it is. It's just pointing people to what God's doing in their lives and around them, just helping them from a different perspective. Huh. Um, and so in leadership, that's really what I've taken from looking back in Swansea, sitting in the city center. Like I can tell you where it was at. Um, it was, it was that moment that I realized, man, it's not me that's doing this, hmm. and there was this, almost a release of a burden of leadership. Yeah, of man just that faithful say yes to that next step. All
1: I feel right. like that's kind of unique to Christian leadership too, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times in a if you're if your goals for the people you're leading aren't supernatural, the pressure is kind of on you to kind of get them from A to B or whatever it is, but in the setting we're in where you're hoping blind people will see and that You know what I mean? You're hoping that God will like radically change someone's heart from the inside out. There is, you can't do that, you mm-hmm. know? And so that's a, that's a cool, uh, it's a cool story of a moment when you, you know, that kind of crystallized for you. That's, it's really cool to hear that.
0: So let me ask you this. All right. You work with students and you work with student ministers. So if you could speak, with those people in mind. Okay. From your experience on both sides, like if you're a student right now, why, why should you go on an IGO trip? Why, why should you take that step and say, yeah, put me overseas, whether you're from a town of 60 or a town of 6,000, whatever. And then if you're a student minister, why would you consider sending your students or taking your students or, or any of the, it doesn't have to be one specific thing, but just why would you push your students to be great commission all over the world, go to the ends of the earth type of thing.
2: It's a great question for the student speaking to that student right now. um, You can see everything online. I found a YouTube video of a dude walking around Cardiff the other day and I watched it and I'm like, I can, I can see with my eyes, but it's different whenever you're actually physically there. Hmm. Um, and it's in just that step. When I when I signed up for IGO, I didn't have a huge, this is my end goal where I'm going. Right. It was pretty much, hey, I'm a believer. Hmm. I need to go on mission. I'm called to do that. And I was at a church camp, Falls Creek. And they said, hey, just go around the corner and sign up. And that's all I did. I was like, I feel like this is a pretty obvious next step of obedience for me to be a part of and better understand what God is doing around the world. Um, And so I did. I went to the computer, put my name, email in, and then that's the very anticlimactic way of how I got on an IGO trip. (laughs) Um,
0: And the rest is history. Yeah.
2: Um, And so just that next step of obedience, not that this makes you a better believer than someone that doesn't, but it's, it gets you a more, it helped me have a more holistic idea of what, how the church, local churches, global church, all of that mixes together mm-hmm. um, and understanding that God's redemptive plan uh, through the, reaching the nations. Um, and for the student pastor, um, the, the biggest pro uh, of, of IGO is the intentionality of the training Um, And they're not trying to set themselves up to be the hero in the story. Um, They're coming alongside you as the student pastor, taking all the logistical nightmare that comes with the mission trip that you think about of going across seas. It's taken care of. They've got you. They're great at it. And then all they get to do is they get to invest in you and your students on something that will change really, I mean, the the direction of your student ministry. Um, And so... It's that. It's uh, it's an easy yes for you as a student pastor. A trusted organization that's done it multiple times that your parents can get on board with. Um, mm-hmm. I know how moms are uh, of sending little Timmy or, or Janice across seas. Um, I've never met anyone named Timmy. Very or popular names, these yeah. names. Very popular. We should just
1: start using little nathaniel when we talk about <laughs> little that little, little you know how moms feel about little nathaniel with his three whiskers yeah <laughs> do you remember nathaniel when he first showed up oh my gosh <laughs> nathaniel coons <laughs>
2: yeah and so it's just that i mean Igo has the local church in the forefront of their mind um, and so they're honestly there to help you win um, to do what they're really good at to set you up to do what you're really good at and that's shepherding your students through new seasons.
0: Very cool. And I, I love the fact that you didn't feel some special revelation-type calling. Hey, here's, a, here's an opportunity.
1: You didn't throw out a fleece or yeah. no. see some writing on the and wall? You yeah. Use the
0: words. It was my next step of obedience as I was following Christ. And you know we talk about that all the time. We're all called. Like God has called us all to his mission. And it's just sometimes it's like, oh, there's an opportunity why not Mm -hmm. let's go so love how you communicated that and uh all all the things that you shared i i I know that there's probably like we could sit here and just dig some stories out of you that would be uh we probably need to do a whole different episode where we just have nathaniel tell stories from story time with nathaniel story time with little nathaniel (laughs) (laughs) we could call it the three whiskers podcast oh there it is yes (laughs) that would be so good um but yeah man thanks for uh thanks for coming over driving across the metroplex to sit down with us and and uh share a little bit about that story just a just a piece of that story of how God has used your time at Igo to shape you into this man this who, man this that Man you are.
1: who was at the Apex At the Apex of Student Ministry of Student Ministry in Texas
0: and if, and if it's in Texas It's the apex of the world. It's the apex of the world. Real quick, real quick, because (laughs) you just barely mentioned it. We need to say this. Like, you did marry another Igo girl. I did. Um, Lindsay. Yes. Lindsay. You've done good on
2: that one. Yeah. Yeah. married way out of my league.
0: Yeah, and the only thing that the only real gripe I have about you, Nathaniel. All right, let's hear it. Is that you never jimmied.
2: I didn't. I pretty much jimmied that one year. Yeah, it felt like it because I was at every single base camp.
0: Because Lindsey was jimmying. Yeah, Lindsey was jimmying, and I was like, "How do I get closer to her?" Right. I mean, that was
2: even the year I I brought I pulled out all the stops. That was sexy sax man. Oh yeah, that was a George
1: Michael song. (laughs) Yeah,
0: a legend in Nagoya, sexy
1: sax man. Yeah, yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah. George Michael's baby. That's what one or over. So
1: once, but once Lindsey had been a Jimmy, and she had done that thing, there was really no reason for you to want to be a Jimmy after that, right? Exactly, yeah, because yeah.
2: she went t- on two trips after that, and I was like, well, there's no reason for me to stay yeah. here, so I might as well go. <laughs> well, well, Just he, kidding, that's terrible logic.
0: He had it figured out. I think yeah. he really did. So, well, Seems like that worked out
1: well for you. It did. Whatever, she said whatever yes. that plan was, it yeah. worked.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, when, you, uh, when you see her today, tell her we said hi. I can do and that. Tell her that we have not changed. We're still idiots. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we miss her. Hopefully, uh, we can get everybody together pretty soon. So, that'd be good. Thanks for stopping by. This is Igoes Airways. Airwaves. Come on at you live. Play,
2: Play that cool Texas music. Ready, to go. that
0: Texas music, let it fade up about right now. You've been listening to our podcast, podcast of all things I Go Global, where we do short-term missions with a long-term impact. This was our episode number four with the Nathaniel Coons, Igosian extraordinaire and at the apex of student ministry, working with the SBTC, planning all kinds of stuff. Thanks for tuning in.